friends, Chris Sauter, lead pastor at Neighborhood Church. We work hard at creating content every week that is life-giving and inspiring for people to live a full life. So we're inviting people who find this stream to be life-giving and encouraging to consider becoming a sustaining member at Neighborhood Church. That could be a one-time gift or to subscribe monthly. And you can do that at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Thank you, friends, and enjoy the message. Happy Easter. Hey, one thing I'd... Happy Easter. Happy Easter. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. Uh, one thing I'd like to see is um, whoever is watching and participating, I know a couple of you have put down, where are you uh, watching from? Where are you celebrating uh, Easter this morning? And uh, again, we hope to see you down here at 11 to 12 to get some donuts and coffee. So Easter, one thing I love about Easter, Easter is this declaration that this world really matters, that um, your body, your dreams, your, your life absolutely uh, matters and has a deep, deep purpose. And it's, it, in a way, it's like discovering something, being um, reminded of something that maybe you forgot or you put down or you had to sit down for a little bit and you pick back up. Like maybe it was a book that you read um, when you are a teenager. When I was, when I was something, there was this, in uh, a seventh grade class, I found Ender's Game, which was is my, to this day, my favorite book, Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Um, I read it in seventh grade and it just changed how I view um, what I thought about reading. And so I picked up and I said, who's reading this book? And I said it super intensely. And the kid like looked at me, made eye contact and then quickly looked away like I was gonna shame him. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was really, it was really good. Um, so maybe it's a book that you read in your kid. Maybe it's a tradition or a holiday or a um, celebration that when you're a kid, you'd roll your eyes at. And maybe your dad would say, all right, it's time for Festivus. And you're like, oh, brother, Festivus is the worst. But now you're like December 23rd's coming around and you're like, it's Festivus. Let's do this, baby. Right. And you're excited. Um, maybe it's a uh, going to a class reunion. And realizing, even thought about these these people for like even thought about Joey Bain for a long time, and all of a sudden you see Joey Bain, and you're like Joey Bain, and you can pick up right where you uh, right where you left off. You rediscover, you re remember. For for me, <laughs> which is funny, that I'm saying this because I've been a pastor for a very long time. I feel like I've in a way this sounds super cheesy, but I believe it. I feel like I've rediscovered the Bible. Right, the Bible was very ins- insp- uh, inspiring and brought me hope and joy. And I really believed it. The last two years, I feel like I, am, uh, I have rediscovered something deeper, for me personally, something deeper and wider in, in how I view the divine and what I think about what it means to be human and even reimagining what it means to be Christian. And so the, the Bible to me is this like, the, the, this, these stories of people who are incredibly human and very horrible people who do some, do some insane uh, atrocious things, but also people who do inspiring, beautiful, uh, world-changing things, and all of it belongs, right? The divine is in all those things, pointing to this way of of being the fullest version of ourselves. So I just, right? So when you when you can 
pick things up or rediscover or remember what that life is or how much life it brought you, that, my friends, is resurrection. That is exactly what resurrection, that we can, we can be reminded of the goodness. We can be reminded of who we really are. So like John, John goes about this uh, in a way that's very different from the other Gospels. But the re you know, one of the reasons that a lot of people like John is because John doesn't make any sense. John is chaos. He goes all over the place when he's telling the story um, where the, the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have like a plan. They have like, like, they follow this linear plan and they even borrow from the same sources and are very similar. John's, in fact, John was written um, several decades after those gospels as well. But some people believe that John is, instead of just telling the words of Christ, they're trying to show like the depth and the nuance, the Christology behind the Christ. So good. So John, when he's writing, he goes about going through seven specific miracles all throughout John, where the other gospels go through, like in uh, Luke, goes through like seven um, miracles like in one chapter. And so seven specific, ends with Lazarus at seven. And you have to remember, when we read the Bible, we are reading a story, reading a letter that was written by real people in like a real time, like with their feet in the dirt, their way of viewing the divine, their view of their body, their view of the science they know or don't know, right? So there's a context. And so in this context, seven means to complete something, to wrap it up, to complete a loop. Um, and so in John chapter 20, right? John's about to introduce a new miracle, the eighth one. So this would be a new thing. And in fact, John goes out of his way, starts in uh, chapter 20 by saying, there's this um, new sun. It says early in the morning, there is this new sun on the first day of a new week. So John, if you're reading this for the first time in their context, you would be aware of, okay, John's going out of his way to say whatever is coming next, there is this newness, there is this energy, there is this brightness, there is this awakening to something. So that's how it starts. And then we pick up in verse 13. Oh, this is so good. All right, or verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. All right, there is so, there is so much beauty wrapped up in that. First, we see that it is a woman who's getting stuff done. Imagine that, right? The first declaration of this good and beautiful life, the first uh, uh, announcement of the gospel is, is through a, a woman's body, experience, story, belief, energy, Right? It starts with this, this declaration of, the, of this, this deeply feminine um, authority, right? Which is, of course, what we believe, but it is, it is this declaration, 
right? That the way that this world, especially in the context of this time, of there, there was a way of being human, there was a way of an ordering, and women weren't at the top. And here we see John going all of his, all of his way, actually all the Gospels saying, um, this is really what it means to be human. And I love, I love how even um, when she doesn't recognize Jesus, we'll get to that, but she's just like, yeah, 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 tell me where you put it. Let's just get this done, right? You tell me, I'll go do the work, you stay gardening, I will go and move the body because this is what is expected of me. Right? So there is this new light, this new sun of this new day and this new week. And when reading this, we have to ask, why this? John could have like, spun in any way he wanted. Why did he include a story about a woman who shows up to cry and about seeing a strange man in a garden? What, what, is, what is John trying to introduce to us in this new story, in this new day, of this new light, in this new week? It's this. Mary has a way of viewing who she is and her role and her purpose. She's coming in to take care of a body because that's what friends do. They're, they're going to um, get the body all prepped and for rituals. And so she shows up thinking, this is who I am and this is what I do. And she sees in the tomb that Jesus isn't there. And why, right? Because Jesus is in the garden, but she doesn't see that. And she would never expect to think that maybe Jesus got up. Why? Because gods don't die, right? Like people who die, people who lose, people who are weak, right? They stay dead. They don't come up. And in fact, there was um, uh, the, the empire, there's people in power who were shaping this narrative, who, were, who were, were saying, well, this is who Jesus is. And Jesus would often ask, say like, well, who do you say that I am? And what they said Jesus was, that Jesus was a drunk, that Jesus was a friend of sinners, right? And you know what that word means? Sin? Sin simply means to miss the mark. And there was, in, in that culture, in that society, there was like this target, right? And that defined who was in, who was holy, who had value, who had worth. And there was a lot of people with outside of, outside of anything in their control clearly missed the mark, right? And Jesus welcomed, welcomed that title of friend with sinners because that's who he was with. And then you see that Jesus uh, bled, that Jesus was stripped naked, and of course, gods don't do that. Gods don't let other mere mortals put hands on them. Gods don't cry out that they're thirsty. Gods don't grovel and beg for some other way. Gods don't lose. So you can imagine that Mary's walking in with this idea of who she is. And she steps in, she doesn't see the tomb. And this is what I love, is that she, it's not hard to imagine that she's losing it. She's crying, right? And it's, it's, it's funny because some ways that I view God, it's like if I lost it, I would expect Jesus to say, Chris, stop it. We got work to do. Let's go. Right? This is a human response. This is a very, very normal response. Why? Because, again, there's disappointment. Again, there's this way of being human. There's this way of Mary knowing who she is and her role and what options she had and what she can do. And even she missed it again. And what happens? Angels say, well, why are you crying? What happens? The gardener says, why are you crying? Mary can't see that Jesus is right there. All she sees is that there's this gardener. And it's, it's not hard to imagine either of her response of, of, she knows in that context especially, all right, of what it has, means to have a man there alone with this woman right? As she's vulnerable, as she's crying. You can even hear a little bit in the reading of, of saying, just tell me where the body is. There's this like urgency. She's having this response and she's never shamed. 
She's, nev she's never told to be quiet. Instead, there's this question of why is it that you're crying? Almost like this invitation to learn, to be understood, to be seen. And what does Jesus do that changes everything? She's, Jesus says her name. All Jesus does is remind her who she really is. Remind her who she's always been. I love that. There's, this, there's the, the, the um, symbolism of Jesus being in this garden. Because what, what do gardeners do? There's death, but then there's new life. And they see it, and they tend to it, and they manicure it, and, and they help it. They help it flourish by feeding it, by watering it. And that new life brings joy. It brings sustenance, right? It brings calories. It brings hope. It brings new life. And Jesus, all he does in the new day, in the new week with the new sun, simply reminds her who she is. Because everyone else in the empire, everyone else in that power, everyone else in that system is telling Mary who you can be. And Jesus says, now let me remind you who you always were. That is resurrection. Because think about how, for us, we have a mark that someone said, this is what it means to be healthy. This is what it means to be fun. This is what it means to be successful. This is what it means. I mean, how, how many people are out there going around determining who's holy and what is holy? We have entire uh, laws of, and policies, right, and organizations that determine if, if you have this kind of body, if you have this kind of way of being or seeing or believing, right, then you are holy. And if you don't, you miss the mark. And we walk around believing that to be true. We walk around altering ourselves, quieting ourselves, staying in our lane. We believe that the system or the empire tells us to sh shut up and stay quiet, right? And we buy into that. Wouldn't the most holy thing we can do? Like, what if, what if, what if, like, resurrection, it, what resurrection is, but what if we could go around and reminding one another who you've always been? Think of how holy, think of how sacred, think of this garden that Jesus is in, right? There, there's this symbolism, there's this, even this proclamation that this garden is in all things. This kingdom of God, this heaven, this new life, this resurrection is absolutely everywhere, right? It is wild. And if that's true, then everyone's connected and everyone belongs, and resurrection, like we said earlier, is this reminder, it is this remembering, it's this re-knowing, it is this reimagining of what it means to be Chris, what it means to be you, what it means to be holy, what it means to be human. It declares that your body, your life, this world, your hands, it all matters. It is all helping move us and remind and inspire and, and re-knowing who we really are, that we are deeply, deeply loved, and that we can move and function in that love. Like, I've been saying for a while, like, you know, we're gonna, God's going to use our hands, our tables, our casseroles, and our art. And the art one like, stuck with me this week. Because I had a conversation with, like, I, I thought about it. I have a lot of friends who are artists, right? And I never considered myself an artist. I'd look at, like, someone like Jordan, Tin Cup Design, you're welcome, right? Uh, I'd look at Jordan or Bree or Wade uh, or my buddy Nick and Steve who are, and my wife. You know, they do music. They have this art. And I had a conversation with Jordan and saying, well, you know, I don't really know if I'm an artist. And she's like, Chris, you are writing a story every week. You are, you are setting this scene, inviting people to participate into this, this different way, this higher way of knowing and of being. And I'm like, oh yeah, actually, <laughs> I'm a little more of an artist. But <laughs> it made me think, 
There's a lot of you who probably don't think that your art matters or that your art can be a part of this renewing and reminding people who they are. So here's to you, to the artist who built a deck for their family so that their adult kids can sit on it and tell the stories of when you ate sweaty meats in the car on the way to the cabin and everyone laughs and almost pees their pants. Your art is reminding those kids that this is a place of where they are loved. To the person who th sees them making tater hot dish, not as uh, some form of art, right? But it can do it without even thinking, just automatically start dumping all that stuff in there and so that your friends, your kids' friends can come and you can remind them that they are safe here and that they belong here. The kids need to be reminded of that. Or that you have this song that you think you made up, you don't know if you really stole it from Beck like in 99, but you think you do, and you play it in your head over and makes you giggle and it reminds you that you were good. Or when you do the little doodle during the Zoom meeting and you're pretending that you're paying attention, but really you're like doodling the little thing with the eyes and the mouth, right? And for a little bit, you can like lose yourself into that space, right? And zone out. That is a reminder that your safety in your life and finding your breath is good. Or when you make, choose that outfit because in all the accessories and all the parts, because it, it, it reminds you that you are strong and that you are beautiful and that you can get stuff done. That is art, because it's reminding you of who you really are. Or maybe it's that poem you wrote in your journal that no one else is ever going to see, but you think about it when you're hitting a hard thing, reminding yourself, I can do hard things. Your art is reminding you who you really are. Can you see how everything in this world matters? Everything in you, your leadership, your ingenuity, your moxie, your wisdom, your strength. It is a way of declaring, not just to this world, right, but also to yourself and to those around you in this garden, reminding and seeing and reminding each other who they are. And friends, we need it more than ever. There's so many people, not somewhere else, far away, nameless, faceless people. There's people that you interact with every day that walk around believing this lie. All I am is fat. All I am is a disappointment. All I am is weak. All I am is I cry, and people tell me that crying is not to be uh, masculine, not to be good, right? We, uh, all I am is uh, how much money I have in my checking account. All I am is that my friends don't text me back. Whatever it is that we let people define who we are, we need people to go around saying, you matter, and I see you. Resurrection is new life. Resurrection is a life that's always been there. Resurrection is the love and the goodness that never, ever once escaped you. And that's what Christ did. How did Christ overcome death? How does Christ overcome death? By reminding us what it means to really be alive. We defeat death every time we move in love. We defeat death every time we respond with peace. We defeat death Every time we reach out and help our neighbor, we defeat death. Every time we move with grace, kindness, and love instead of violence, that's how we defeat death. So to all, here, here we go. To all my friends, you're in this garden, whoop, gotta do it around. All my friends who are in this garden with me, I see you, and let's re-remember, let's reimagine, let's re-see the inherent beauty, and love and worth that's always been in us. Cheers. Happy Easter. Ooh, I love that message. I think I'm just gonna do that one every week. <laughs>
<laughs> Just the same one every week, right? I think it's, I think it's good. Um, so before I do um, communion, I'm going to... Um, no, no. Yeah, communion first, then benediction. Let's do communion. We're going to do communion. I would like to end with the benediction. So if you have coffee and donuts, if you have um, whatever, I have a salt and vinegar chip because we don't have any gluten-free um, crackers here <laughs> for communion. So the body of Christ today is a salt and vinegar Lay's chip, and I have some juice. It's really not, um, I don't want to say important. It's very important to some people of the, the sacrament of what we deem is a sacrament. To me, it is a symbol. It's a re-remembering and re-knowing of the beauty and the, the gift of a resurrected Christ. So Jesus, before he was betrayed, um, to his disciples, gathered him around, and he broke bread, and he said, eat this, consume this, Take this in, experience this, taste this, like let it, let it affect, let it impact, let it bring life and nourishment and remembrance of me. So we take the sacrament as a way of remembering of Christ giving his body and that his body did not stay broken, that his body did not stay quiet, but with his body came an announcement that this world and this life and you matter. And then he said to all his friends, drink this in remembrance of me, of the blood that was spilled. And with that death, with that blood, with that sacrifice, brought this way of any time that we move in sacrifice, any time we move in generosity, any time that we give what other people say is lost, what other people say is foolish, when we look like we are losing because we choose peace, because we choose kindness, because we choose love, is this blood, right, as remembrance of this is how, it, this is what it means to be human, this is what it means to move in love and remembrance of the Christ. Mm, that was good. So as a form of prayer, as a benediction, I had my friend Kyle Markshausen, who you can follow on the Insta, that's what we call Instagram, and I asked him to write something, a benediction, and he wrote um, a poem that I found to be very inspiring. And I'm gonna read the whole thing and however you uh, take this in and process this, uh, I invite you to do it. There will be paper cuts. There will be thorns beneath bare feet. There will be taxes and severed relationships between mother and son, father and daughter, and there will be wars. There will be boredom and monotony, long nights staring at the ceiling, notching your failures on the walls of your mind. <clears throat> There will be heartache of falling short, of collapsing vision, of fizzled dreams, <clears throat> and there will be wars. There will be walls crowned in barbed wire, fences dividing neighbors. There will be small wounded child locked inside your adult body. <clears throat> wounded child locked inside your adult body, crying to be noticed, understood, and loved. And there will be wars. There will be a cacophony of injustices rolling in, in, in like waves, one after another, crashing over what, whatever sandcastles you have built. There will be dread when addiction has you by your throat and you realize you are now answer to a new master. And there will be wars.
There will be the ancient sorrow you knew from the moment your heart sparked into existence and the fresh sorrows nipping at your heels each day. There will be confusion and hatred, petty disagreements and bloodlust oppression, and there will be wars. But you can always start again. <clears throat> each morning, this morning, you can start again. There will be births and transformations, souls withdrawing into their cocoon and emerging as something new, a glorious change from the glorious former self. There will be smiles and laughter and joy. There will be long-lost friends reuniting, embracing. You can always start again. There will be murmurs of freedom, small bright lights in the foggy distance. There will be new mornings, a single moment each day. All things are possible. There will be hope. There will be grace. There will be tables heaping with food, a chair for all who are hungry, a place for all who hunger to belong. You can always start again. There will be radical love, and there will be rebels fighting for it. How do you rebel against the pain? Simple. You wake up. You bear witness to the morning. There are no levers to pull, no buttons to push, nothing for you to control. Your job is to look and to see and be. A new morning has come. Love is possible. You have seen. Look, you have rebelled. You can always start again. Every breath you take is a prophecy proclaiming something new. There will be a sacred recognition of the gift of life. You are here. You are breathing. Your feet are rooted on the spinning rock, hurtling through the void. The pains from yesterday may still bleed, but you are not stuck. There will be messes to clean up. There will be boundary lines drawn on our maps. There will be apologies and healing and tears, and there will be mercy. You can always start again. This is the blessing, friends. Today go forth, or stay, or sing, or rest. The choice is the gift. Perhaps your path is not forward. Perhaps yours is sideways, circular. Perhaps your path is a dance you spin and twirl through your day, or your path is a funeral march through the valley of the shadow of death, or your path is a backward slog to offer a drink of water and a helping hand to those lagging behind. Today is new. Today is here. You can always start again. Happy Easter, friends.